Welcome to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Fremont, we create space for people to become lifelong followers of Jesus, and we relentlessly pursue His transformation of our neighborhood, our city, and the world. Here's today's message. I want to invite Chris up now to uh, read the words of Colossians 2, verses 1 to 7. Thanks, Chris. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to teach, to, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments, for I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Chris. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the incomparable treasures that are in Christ who we find in your word. And now we pray that your kindness would continue to be extended to us through giving us a clear a clear understanding of your word. May these words that your spirit breathed out be breathed into our hearts and we pray to see Christ in all of his beauty, his incomparable treasure. We pray to see it through your word to such an extent that the lesser things would just pale. They would pale in comparison. God, thank you that your word is alive and active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. So we pray that your word would would cut, it would convict, it would heal, it would assure, it would restore. We pray that you would protect protect us against distraction. We pray that we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. We pray that you would open the eyes of our heart now to drink deeply from your word and to undergo the transformation that you are willing to give us. I pray for those who are unsure of who Christ is, that you would make him so clear that he is irresistible. For those who do, we pray that you would just deepen our roots of maturity in him. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our big idea this morning is this. Rootedness in Christ comes from knowing the worth of Christ. That's where we're headed. Uh, What we discover is that what we ascribe worth to, we will ultimately root ourselves in. In. So the Apostle Paul's aim this morning is to secure our rootedness through showing us the incomparable treasures that are found in Christ. So this is how we're going to navigate this section this morning. It's in your bulletin. In verses 1 through 3, we're going to discover what it means to be rooted in assurance. Verses 4 and 5, rooted against deception. And verses 6 and 7, rooted in faith. If you weren't here last week, we began something new where whoever's up here, I've been controlling the slides and I can annotate on it. So I want to get this uh, out of the way. So you're not distracted if you weren't here last week when I do it, because the point of this is we just want the word of God to be made clear 
We want it to be visible because that's where the power is at. So verse one, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those who are at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. So why does Paul find it necessary to tell them how great a struggle that he has for them? Like, is he like that person in the kitchen clanking the dishes really loud? And he just, I want everyone to know how hard I'm laboring on your behalf for, like, pay attention. Like, it's so much better than that. Now, before we kind of get into this, the reason of struggle, I want us to see the flow of this argument in one through three. So he says, I want you to know how great a struggle, that's number one, and that struggle we're going to see, it's for maturity, Okay, so the point of this, then, the struggle is that, so we're going to focus our precious proposition, prepositions this morning, so that their hearts may be encouraged to reach all assurance. This is where Paul is headed, because there is something that has infiltrated the church that is undermining the assurance of Christ's sufficiency, and so Paul is coming and saying he is looking to fill them up in the assurance of Christ. But what we want to discover is the role that his struggle and encouragement and entwinement play in reaching the full assurance of Christ. Now, since he starts with the word for, that means we have to go back. The last two verses from last week, these are the two verses preceding this, say this, notice the continuity of God's word. Him, that's Christ, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present, hang on to that word, that's going to be key in a moment, everyone mature in Christ for this I toil struggling, there's our word in 2-1, with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. That word struggling is where we get our English word agony. So Paul is agonizing for their maturity in, in Christ. So let's back up a few more verses. And the question we want to ask is, what is going on? Why is he struggling for their maturity? Like, what is causing this? So Colossians 1, 21 through 23. And you, once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. So here's what's going on. Christ is the ultimate presenter. He is the only one that can present us holy and blameless before God based on his life, death, and resurrection. In a lesser sense, Paul is taking on a presenting role to present them mature in Christ. What has happened is there's some kind of spiritual virus that is penetrated, seeking to penetrate this church. And what it's trying to do is it's trying to get them to shift. And this has led Paul to struggle that they would be stable, steadfast, same type of words we see in our passage today, rooted, firm, established. And so this threat is leading Paul to struggle on their behalf. And through his struggle, that threat will be defeated. It will become a gracious means that God will use to present them rooted, grounded, mature in Christ. Now let's go to one more verse to make sure we understand really this word struggle and and really the beauty that it entails. This is the end of Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. Epaphras, he's the one who planted the church in Colossae, 
who is one of you, so he's from there, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you always, what does that say? Struggling on your behalf in his prayers that you may stand mature and fully assured in the will of God. So Epaphras is struggling. The struggle means that they're praying. The end goal is maturity and ultimately assurance in who Christ is. So it's like Paul and Epaphras like have this small group thing going on and they are just like locked in, praying, wrestling that they would be presented mature and fully assured of the will of God. So that's why we find out that assurance right here, full assurance, that's Paul's end goal. We just saw it in all these other places. So there's something threatening. The Colossians' assurance in Christ alone. And this threat has caused this tender apostle to drop to his knees in his prison cell to struggle for their maturity in Christ. Now Christ has provided the ultimate rescue through his life, death, and resurrection. Now Paul is praying that they would persevere in that rescuing grace. Now, did you catch something about who he is struggling for? For those he has not seen face to face. He didn't plant the churches in Colossae or Laodicea. Laodicea is nine miles northwest. Now, we might struggle to put our own kids through college. Uh, Doubtful, you're going to struggle to put someone else's kids through college. Put yourself in the shoes of the church of Colossae and you get this letter from the foremost apostle. I just pretend like you get it and you're like, well, what did he say? Well, the apostle Paul is, he is struggling. He's agonizing for our maturity. But wait a minute. He doesn't even, he doesn't even know us. Yeah, but he knows what we're up against and he's contending for us. He's on his knees in his prison cell and he's, praying for us, right? There's something about the extent that someone is willing to struggle on your behalf that reveals the depth of their love for you. And Paul is saying, I love you so much. I am willing to die a thousand deaths that you may be presented mature in Christ. I don't care how many calluses I get on my knees. I am, I am going to struggle for you. Oh, that we would struggle for one another's maturity like that. Remember this astounding verse from last week? Uh, This incredible verse. Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Right, while there's, let's be clear, there's nothing lacking in Christ's afflictions. At times, the afflictions of Christ are presented through the afflictions of his servants and therefore Christ's love is made visible and it serves as a huge encouragement to fortify them in the truth. And so may we be just as zealous to be rooted in Christ. That's verse one. So verse two right here is that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. So the question we want to ask is this, if his end goal is assurance, what does encouragement and being entwined with one another have to do with getting to the end goal of assurance? Now, when I drive from Sacramento to Southern California, uh, I inevitably, I will stop in this little town called Kettleman City. They've got food. 
and they've got gas. Now, Southern California is my end goal. But if I do not stop for food and gas, my end goal gets called into question. I cannot reach my end goal of Southern California if I'm stranded on the side of the road in need of gas. So Paul's end goal of assurance in Christ is enabled through mutual encouragement and entwinement with one another. So in other words, growing up in Christ is a group project. One huge remedy to standing firm and assured in Christ is that we don't have to do it alone. Right? In the animal kingdom, who typically gets picked off by the predator? The one who wanders from the pack. And so as the Colossians face their spiritual predators seeking to pick them off by deception, they will stave off those predators as they stand encouraged and entwined and fortified together. They are to be like a quilt whose individual squares have been so knit together they form the fabric of one quilt. The ironic thing is, when we begin to feel unstable and shifting in our faith, it becomes easy to isolate, which then makes us more susceptible to the false ideologies that come, which then puts us into a dangerous headspace. Now, if you liken a dangerous headspace to a fire, there's one or two things that can happen when the fire breaks out. One, it is fed oxygen and it spreads. And that's reflective of isolating. But second, the fire is deprived of oxygen and it's put out. And that is reflective of being encouraged and entwined and knit together. Listen to how this idea is put in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let's, let's read this verse together, these two verses. Let's read them together as a church family. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Amen. Stir is a verb. It's an intentional part of what we do when we gather. Now, when, when I order a mocha and I let it sit for a while, all the good stuff goes to the bottom. So you know what I need? I need a stir stick in order to get the sweet stuff back up to the top. We are one another's stir sticks, stirring one another up in truth to the sweet assurance we have in Christ that lies dormant in order to get it to the top that we may walk fully assured in who Christ is. See, gathering together and stirring one another up, it's so much more than checking off a box. It is God's remedy to the multifaceted flames of deception that seek to lure us away from putting our full confidence in Christ alone. So why is Paul seeking to put their assurance in Christ alone? Well, because verse three, in whom are hidden all all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Do we realize that Christ is our greatest asset? Like, do we realize that if we have him and nothing else, we are rich? But if we have everything else and not him, that we are poor? Right, in the financial world, it might be good advice to diversify your portfolio. But Paul's telling us in the spiritual world, it makes no sense to diversify your portfolio from the one in whom all treasure is found. 
So in the first three verses, we have seen what it means to be rooted in assurance. Now we will discover what it means to be rooted against deception, verse 4. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. This is encouraging. It means things that come, they're going to sound really good. So I say this, so we have to ask, well, what is this? First three verses. Christ is the one in whom all treasures are found. Your assurance is in him. I say this so that you may not be deceived. So what we discover then is that assurance in Christ is the remedy for deception against Christ. If I begin to feel like I have a cold coming on, I, no one has to talk to me. I am intuitively, I am going to pop the vitamin C and the zinc to strengthen my compromised immune system. I do not want to get sick. There is something seeking to compromise the spiritual immune system of the Colossians. In the first three verses, Paul's infused them with the spiritual vitamin C and zinc of all the treasures that are in Christ. And that's what's going to enable them to stand firm against deception. So verses one through three are the spiritual antibodies to verse four. Now the word delude, because we don't go around probably talking like that, the word delude carries along the connotation of not easily being talked into something. And that doesn't only have to be from an outside source. That can be the internal dialogue that goes on that seeks to undermine the sole authority of Christ and Scripture. The other word, plausible arguments, carries along with it the connotation of a lawyer persuading someone to an unjust verdict. So Paul is saying, when you see the riches and the treasure that are in Christ, you are not easily talked into an unjust verdict against Christ's sufficiency. Now, we just have to ask ourselves an honest question. Like these, whether external or internal, there are going to be things that we are going to be berated with that will seek to undermine the authority and the sufficiency of Christ alone, of scripture alone, of grace alone, of faith alone. These things are coming. And the question is, will we with the same zeal infuse ourselves with the spiritual riches of Christ, the spiritual vitamin C as I do when I feel like I have a cold coming on? The thing is, sometimes we hear these things, we're exposed to these things, and we just kind of become a sitting target. But, Christ, but Paul is saying, no, look at the treasures that are in Christ. That will defeat that infection seeking to infiltrate. See, when Christ is seen for who he really is, the temptation to flirt with lesser beauty goes out the window. So Paul's strategy, it's not only to unmask the ugliness of these spiritual counterfeits that are coming knocking at their door, It's to highlight Christ's flawlessness with such astounding measure that anything else just seems ugly in comparison. So our job is to collectively stir one another up to find such satisfaction in Christ that when deception comes knocking at the door, we don't even get up to answer it because we are so enamored with Christ's beauty that to answer the door for a lesser beauty makes no sense. That's what Paul is after. Now, although Paul, verse 5, for though I am absent in body, I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Although he's hundreds of miles away, he says, I see you. <laughs> like, like a parent, 
I know what you're doing. Except they didn't have phones back then. He's not tracking them. He's saying, I see you. Why? He's so woven in to the fabric of the Colossians quilt. He is with them in spirit. He is knit together with them in love. So the word right here, this uh, good order, there's two military terms here. First, the good, good order has to do with don't break rank, but be in a single file line. So Paul's saying, don't break rank for anything that would diminish the worth of Christ. And firmness carries along with it the idea of soldiers standing fortified to um, resist the spiritual attacks of the enemy. And so what Paul is saying is that anticipate the spiritual attacks, expect things to seek to undermine Christ and his rightful place in your life. Anticipate it and fight it side by side with one another. So, so far we've seen what it means to be rooted in assurance, rooted against deception. Now in verses six and seven, rooted in faith. Verse six, therefore, okay, that's gonna take us back. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, And that's where verse six ends. I don't want to get it to verse seven just yet. So therefore, this is some of the matter. By the way, these two verses are really like the summary of the entire book of Colossians. Uh, So very important. Uh, Bottom line is this. As you received Christ, so walk in him. Did you notice in this all-important theme verse how Paul refers to Christ? As you received the Lord Jesus Christ, He doesn't just say as you receive Jesus, this Jesus whom you receive, he is Lord and he is Christ. And when you received him, you submitted your entire life to his lordship. He purchased you with the price of his life from the tyranny of sin. Therefore, a divided allegiance just makes no sense. So the question we want to answer, well, how did they, how do we receive Christ? Well, the answer is we receive Christ by faith from a place of total neediness, total dependence. We contribute nothing to it. We realize that sin had so fractured our relationship with God that our only hope to be restored to God was the perfect, flawless Son of God. It done. 100% him, 0% us. And Paul is saying, hey guys, that's varsity. You don't move on to varsity from there. Now, when someone receives the Lord Jesus Christ, it's often like this desperate heart posture. We say, okay, whatever you say, goes, Lord, right? Even in that moment, maybe some of us, well, no one in here, I'm sure, but maybe you have a friend, like you try to bargain like with God, like, okay, God, like if you get me out of this, I'm going to submit my life to you. I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk with you. Well, this verse is God cashing in on that promise. See, what can often happen is we come in a place of total neediness, brokenness, dependence, and then he makes our life a thousand times better. And then we're like, back to independence. I think I'll take it from here. And what's going on here is he's saying, if Christ alone was sufficient for your salvation, then Christ alone is sufficient as you live out your salvation. Now in verse six, so walk in him. First command in the entire book of Colossians, so like 37 verses in, first time you get a command. It's a metaphor for one's life. What Paul is saying, let your pattern of life display the same dependence as when you received Jesus Christ as Lord in your most desperate state. That is what it means to be mature. And ultimately, that's what it's going to be. Verse seven, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. That's what it means to walk in him. 
Now, interestingly, this word uh, rooted right here, it actually, in the Greek, the tense is having been rooted in Christ and built up in him. In other words, the Christian has been firmly planted in the soil of the Lord and they will bear fruit because the soil they are in is fertile. Now, there will be seasons where it feels a bit barren, but over time, the Christian will bear fruit. On the other hand, it's impossible to grow apart from being planted in the soil of the Lord. The root is only as strong as what it's attached to. Therefore, one cannot be firmly rooted apart from receiving Christ. Do you remember about a year ago, we had all that rain and all that wind, and it wasn't uncommon to see trees toppled over? You know what was so ironic about that is they weren't just toppled over, like the whole root system came out of the ground. When we're rooted in Christ, there is no storm that can uproot that root system. On the other hand, if we are not rooted in Christ, even the slightest wind will blow us over. Now, in addition to an agricultural metaphor with rooted, Paul uses an architectural metaphor with rooted, established, built. This is also temple imagery because last week in 127, he said the mystery is this Christ in you, the hope of glory. And what he's saying as living temples, be careful how you build. Now, let's bring it together. Revelation chapter three. I want us to see this astonishing security that we have as pillars, as people who are rooted in Christ. This is his promise here. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Now, if if you are rooted in Christ, you are an unshakable pillar. That's a picture of where we're headed. And in the meantime, Paul begins to pray in part to what one day we will be in full. Hey, have you ever been driving down the road and you're like, come on, you're always doing road construction in this same spot. It's always construction. There's always orange signs up right here. It seems what Paul is getting at is this, is that we are temples undergoing constant construction for the purpose of establishing us firm to the end when we are a pillar in the temple of the Lord and can no longer be blown by the winds of deception. That is the security that every Christ follower has. And the only natural result is you abound in thanksgiving. And when you abound in thanksgiving, it reinforces assurance, which then gives you the spiritual antibodies to say, no, don't even think about it. Deception, anything that will undermine Christ, no, I am thankful because of the security I have in Christ and I don't need to find it anywhere else. Now, there are a few ways that I think would be fitting for us as a congregation to respond this morning. First, it says, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Have you? Have you received Jesus as Lord of your life, submitting to his lordship as the only one that can present you holy and blameless before God? If you haven't, I want to urge you by his help, with him opening your heart, responding to the Holy Spirit, to plant your roots firmly on the only foundation that you cannot be uprooted from. 
And if you are feeling that prompting, I want to urge you to talk to the person you came with. Come find one of us because as you've heard, we are meant to be knit together in this Christian walk. For the Christian, maybe a couple things to think about. One, would you say that your faith journey is characterized by being entwined, knit together in one quilt? Or are you more like a separate square over here on your own? I would encourage, don't fight the inevitable barrages that come as a separate square. Get in the quilt. Walk walk together in this journey. Second possible response, I would say, man, the way Paul struggles and toils for their maturity, is there another Christian in our lives that we can struggle for their rootedness and maturity in Christ? Rootedness in Christ comes from knowing the worth of Christ. He is the treasure of all treasures, so let us sink our roots deeply in him. Let's pray. Father, indeed, in Christ, all treasure is found. I pray that you, your spirit, would take these truths. You would seal and cement them in our hearts. I pray that as we come to the table, our hearts would abound with thanksgiving for the one who makes it possible to be holy and blameless. May your spirit prompt and elicit a faithful response so your name will be honored and our maturity will be deepened. We pray for this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Fremont Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope that you were blessed by the message. You can send your questions or comments directly to us at podcast at fremontpress.org. That's podcast at fremontpress.org. We'd love to see you on a Sunday morning. We have classic worship in the sanctuary at 9 a.m. and modern worship in the Community Life Center at 10.30 a.m. You can find the live stream of both of those services at fremontpress.org. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast feed to get the latest episode each week automatically. Thanks for listening.